3: Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall.
4: Are back from a hiatus of a few days here with a different perspective. I'm Kevin Randall, as you probably already know. Tonight I am joined by Don Schmidt who has who I guess in the full disclosure here in the interest of full disclosure. I should point out that I've known for nearly 30 years, Uh, We've worked in a number of investigations together, spent a lot of time in Roswell together. We've traveled the country together in UFO investigations, written a couple of books together, and we've had our differences of opinion on many, many things. But tonight, we're going to take a look at uh, some of the things going on Roswell. We're going to talk a little bit about the Roswell slides and see if we can iron some of that out and move on from there. Don,
5: are you there? I am here, and last time we spoke was when you were doing a show down in midland texas i'm kidding no no because it That's was actually the-
4: in el paso texas oh so, okay, okay. <laughs> there you go
5: so, big city
4: yes we we moved years up ago in the world. We're now we're now in hamilton ontario canada with the x zone broadcast network and i couldn't be happier about that
5: Well, from practically one border to across another, so good for you! Congratulations!
4: And uh, as as I mentioned, Don has done a number of books. I think uh, the latest is called "Children of Roswell." Uh, You've done "Witness to Roswell," and I forget the name of the Area Fifty. Was it Area Fifty One, the Wright Patterson connection, or
5: the Wright Pat? Well, not the connection, but the the true Area Fifty One, Wright Patterson, correct?
4: And those all came from New Page books and are available on Amazon and your bookstores, correct?
5: That's correct. Thanks, Kevin.
4: So we we've got the commercial plug-in for you now.
5: <laughs> That's why. I Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
4: oh, yes, uh, Don. How have things been going in uh, with your investigations of UFOs in just a couple of minutes here?
5: Oh. <laughs> well, just as a quick example, and you certainly remember uh, member K Squad back at the uh, Roswell Army Airfield in '47, Melvin E. Brown and we ran into who was the son of a pig farmer they operated a swine pig farm east of roswell back in 1947 and they made a weekly trek to the uh, roswell army airfield where they picked up uh, the cans of garbage from uh, the mess halls there were a number of mess halls on the base at that time and they would bring back empty garbage containers and uh take out full uh, refuge as far as uh, the, uh, the p- pigs, you know, back at the farm. And uh, his name is Raymond Pollard, 92 years old presently, sat down with him and he talked about how uh, he didn't recognize some of the men working on the loading dock. And the reason that he specifically remembered the incident was because of the, uh, the newspaper count at that time. And for the one and only time, he had trouble getting onto the base with the truck. To take up all the garbage from the mess halls. And uh, it took quite a bit of um, discussion and some haggling before they finally realized, well, we still need to get rid of all the garbage, so they let him through. And he drove on, went to the uh, loading dock area of one of the mess halls, and he overheard a sergeant talking about the crash north of town and making the remark about the strange people. And he didn't make anything more of it until sometime, probably the next week or so, when he returned. And he ran into that very sergeant again. And he asked him. And all he would tell him was that uh, if you want any answers, you'll have to go to right field. That's where everything went. Now, again, it's just an interesting story. Nothing more really can't prove anything is all these stories. But, again, it becomes, you know, a piece of the puzzle.
4: Part of the mythology the pos- of the Roswell case.
5: Right, right. But um, is it possible that the very sergeant he was talking about was Melvin Brown? And it clearly suggested that personnel at K-Squad knew of the incident, knew specific details of the incident. Now we We're going to we're gonna family. have to take a
4: short break here. Okay. We're running out of of time. When we come back, we're going to follow up on this a little bit. And what we'll do is take a look at uh, the Roswell Slides fiasco, as as I've come to call it. For those of you who are interested, you can read more about the Roswell case quite a bit at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And I have a new book out called Roswell in the 21st Century, which covers an awful lot of this stuff in detail. But we'll be back right after this with Don Schmidt, and we'll talk a little bit more about what uh, this fellow saw while he was at uh, Roswell in 1947. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now, in Roswell in the 21st Century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st Century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com
3: Gibbs A. Williams PhD is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative.
6: Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com.
4: And as promised, we are back with Don Schmidt talking about Roswell. Before we left, uh, you were mentioning Melvin Brown. He was a sergeant who was assigned to the uh, K-Squadron at the base at the time, and he told his daughters and his wife about having uh, seen seen the bodies as part of uh, the recovery operation. What I wanted to say is I got an email from her, from Beverly Bean six weeks ago or so, and somebody had been or has been, is ta- attacking her father's reputation and trying to find all these, out all these things on it. Some of the stuff had been up on my blog. i since taken it down simply because having talked to Beverly Bean, I didn't think it was really fair uh, what the guy was saying. But so we, we've we got some of that going on. And then that was one of the things, uh, before we get into the other stuff, I wanted to talk about just for a moment, is oftentimes these witnesses talk to us tell us their stories, and once their names are released, we ended up with a lot of people uh, wanting to verify that information and calling them sometimes uh, in the middle of the night and sometimes accusing them of all sorts of nefarious activities, so I'm always now reluctant to mention witnesses' names simply because that can result in some of that that happening to them, but I thought it was interesting Beverly Bean had written to me. I also got an email from Chester Lytle's a granddaughter talking about uh, some of the things that had been going on. And, and her grandfather had been a friend of Butch Blanchard at the Roswell base in 1947. And Butch Blanchard had told him about having seen the body. So there are, you know, these connections going on all the time. So you yeah, were saying we have, we have that we have,
5: uh, in the witness book.
1: is.
0: Don't wait. Visit sono, Sonobello.com slash save. com slash save. com slash uh, save.
5: Uh, Lytle knowing Blanchard. And uh, yeah, I wasn't aware that uh, Beverly Bean had contacted you, but I'm not surprised that, uh, in fact, I'm, I pretty much know who the individual is because I've received similar emails from him for probably the last seven years attacking Melvin Brown, and that he somehow claims to have, you know, tracked up you know, did some tracing in his background and his being transferred over to England and then marrying over in England and even got into his personal life and his wife and his girls and so on. So, um, but I think the best example would be when Bill Brazel, uh, Mac Brazel's son, received a phone call from another uh, other than uh, Philip J. Class on a Christmas Eve, calling him a liar and challenging him to produce any proof, any evidence he had at the time. And as often as Brazel basically told him to go to hell, the class just persisted.
4: Well, but and Brazel also Brazel also talked about uh, being called in the middle of the night by drunks at bars wanting to know if the oh story yes, was true. Oh yes, yes, And and the thing with Bill Brazel, uh, you call directory assistance in New Mexico, and you could have found him. You could have found his phone number. Uh, Bill has That's since correct. passed away, so he's now insulated from that sort of thing.
5: But the rest but, of the family is not. In fact, they're still getting calls. Amazingly enough.
4: So um, we've we've moved beyond the the pig farmer. Who just? Well, I, I just wanted to a, a,
5: add that uh, in having talked to his family, his his children, that according to them, he started telling them this story back in the nineteen sixties. And so, uh, if that is true, then long before Roswell incident, or even Jess Marcel, the intelligence officer at Roswell, you know, speaking out about the nature of the incident. And that they all, you know, repeated the fact that their father told them about uh, the comment from somebody out at the loading dock at the um, the mess hall talking about the crash and the strange people. That was the term he always used, strange people.
4: But they didn't write anything down. We have no letters. We have no, no diary no, or anything like that. Which is the thing that stuns me is all these people involved in this thing and nobody wrote anything down that we can trace back prior to 1978, with a couple of uh, comments. Lydia Schleppy, who was the teletype operator in the radio st- uh, station, she had made a comment Oblkerky, to Stan Friedman back in the mid-1970s. It was actually published in a magazine. So prior to Marcel, we do have that, that one. The Saga
5: bit UFO report, correct?
4: Yes, yes. Let's move on to the 800-pound gorilla in the studio, which is the Roswell Slides, and I know you hate the term. And the the skeptics... Yeah, because uh, I was the first one who,
5: you know, spoke out against that very <laughs> connection, that uh, at least as far as... I was never, you know, con- convinced in any shape, manner, or form that they had anything to do with Roswell.
4: But That's Tom Carey was.
5: Uh, yeah, I guess he was.
4: Tom, Tom is is on radio programs talking about mm-hmm. especially having seen the the slide, and we'll get to that in a moment, uh, showing a sort of a marking on the head of the uh, image in the photograph or the slide, looking like uh, descriptions of the aliens that have been given specifically by Frankie Rowe, with a, uh, back back in that time. So Tom was clearly convinced this had to do with Roswell, but my question, my quest- the term
5: smoking gun, and um, that it was definitive proof, and. Um- I, for one, never, never was so bold as to make such pronouncements. I was, I was very much on the fence throughout.
4: Well, let's, let's get down to to some of it right here. Um, Adam Dew, who was the guy that I guess contacted you and Tom uh, with the slides, is saying that he gave you and Tom scans, high quality scans of the slides from the very beginning, the very scans that were later uh, used to reveal what the placard said. So Do is saying that you had all the tools available to you to resolve this thing from the very beginning. So what do you, what, but, what's your response there? But
5: we only had one occasion. In, in my case, Tom had one, I had two, to actually handle and see one of the slides, the first slide and then beyond that we never had access to the originals we were only able to work with that which we were pr- provided we were always under the impression we were shown genuine full scale true to the original digital scans and, you know including even enlarged elements from the slides specifically the placard when we requested it but we were always relying on them to provide us with the best possible resolutions and then as it turns out obviously we weren't that whether i mean one can accuse or suggest that uh, the second slide for example was light blasted that it washed out the placard that uh, it was uh, no longer legible in any uh, manner and um, that even the background of the second slide, which clearly shows that it's a tabletop museum display. And, uh, and Tom was with me, for example, it was the very day after the Mexico City presentation, and we are in Jaime Masson's office. And I'm asking, I want to see the second slide. I want to see the full image of the second slide. And he responded to me, why? And I went, why? I want to see the second slide. I don't need to ask you again. And he brought it up on screen, and I'm looking, and I'm going, oh, my God, because it was clearly a museum display. And it's like, why weren't we ever shown this before? Why was it always just a tight shot of the body in the second slide?
4: Well, Adam Dew, so, Adam Dew claims that he showed you, or he gave you uh, the, the full scan of, of the slide. This is what Adam Dew is no, saying he, today.
5: Well, he can claim all he wants, but again, we only were able to work with that which we received. And it was the first time that both Tom and I saw the second slide in its entirety. In fact, at the very close, towards the close of the presentation the night before, I kept leaning over to Tom, why aren't they showing the second slide? Why haven't they shown the second, the second slide as of yet? And it wasn't until the very end. So that, too, was uh, was highly suspicious in, in my mind.
4: Do you think my, that Adam Dew knew, knew what it was from the very beginning?
5: It, I, I don't think it's really come out that even Joseph Beeson, the owner, the original owner of the slides, through his sister, he's a graphic illustrator. And in that sense alone, that uh, between the two of them and the type of technical equipment that they would have had access to, that I guess one could highly suggest there was some manipulation, that there was some cropping, some image compression, possibly some photo blurring, you know, in selective areas of the slides, Um, image resolution was changed, manipulation of the contrast, the color. Uh, they made the slides, uh, the the body look wet and, you know, even, you know, less aged in some of the images we've seen.
4: Did, so there was do you, clearly manipulation going on. Do you believe, do you believe the story on. about how the slide was discovered in uh, the, the attic or the basement when uh, Beeson's sister was cleaning out a house in, uh, what, Sedonia, Arizona? Do you believe that the, that the slides were hidden from the rest of the slides, as as they claim— um,
5: well, mind you, again, we were accepting their testimony. We kept asking to speak from the get-go. We kept asking to speak with the sister. Obviously, we wanted to hear her full account. And at one point, it got a little testy to the point that I finally asked Beeson, would you be willing to take a polygraph, take a lie detector? And I know that's a typical ploy used by law enforcement, uh, hardly with the intent of actually uh, you know, p- conducting such a test. But it's, it's most likely done to test the person's reaction, what the response is. If they hesitate, if they balk, well, then you know you possibly have them. And in Beeson's case, I will say he did agree. He immediately said, oh, yes, yes, I said, I'd, I'd be willing to take a lie detector test. So, again, that kind of took us back to square one. We were accepting their verbal testimony, their account of what took place. And yet, there are two different versions as to how the slides were discovered. And the first one being, according to Beeson, that his sister found them in fact in slide, uh, in fact, it, it, this box of slides taped inside an envelope under the lid. And in the Mexico City, we hear the description that it was the cardboard box lid that was split open and the slides were, were placed inside between the layers of cardboard as though it was even more Machiavellian, as though it was even more sinister how they were hidden away from prying
4: eyes. Well, this was a, so, what, what she was, they were claiming was this was a box of three or 400 slides and these were hidden inside that box right. in some fashion.
5: Right. They were 400 colored Kodachrome slides. And the other interesting thing is the slides that we were shown were all stamped Hilda Blair Ray, but not these two slides. So there are it, it two. The, uh, the, it raised the question as to who actually took the pictures, who took the slides, images, and who did they, you know, were they part of this collection or not?
4: That's so a, that's an a interesting difference. observation, which we'll come back to in just a moment. We've got to take a quick break here, uh, but for those of you who are interested, there's an awful lot of information about all of this that appeared on my blog in uh, early nineteen or early nineteen in early uh, twenty fifteen <laughs> under uh, at kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and you can read about Don's investigations of the Roswell case in Witness to Roswell, and uh, the latest book I think is Children. Of Roswell. So you can take a look at all of that, learn a little bit more about it, and for those of you who really want to get into it, uh, my book is Roswell in the 20th, 21st century, and it is available now on a limited basis, unfortunately, at Amazon.com. So we will be right back after this.
3: I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
4: We are back with Don Schmidt. We're talking about the Roswell slides, or if I often have called them, the not Roswell slides. And we were talking about the discovery of them uh, and the multiple stories that have been told about that. The question that I have is the slides would have been numbered. And it would seem to me that if you had this big box of slides, you would know where they came from in that whole collection. There'd be, there would be a gap in one of those uh, series of slides. Did anybody ever think to look uh, for that and determine whether the slides were taken around that time?
5: Yes, in fact, that was another thing that we quickly encouraged as far as we wanted to see if there was a a numerical consistency, if they indeed were part of that same collection or something else. And we were told they were, but then we were also told that there was that the the two body slides were out of count. That there was another slide. There was another image taken in between. So there was a missing slide. At least that's what we were told on one occasion.
4: Well, I think when you take a look at the the slide evidence that uh, Do put up on his a website, which is now long gone, there is, there was a slide number 10. I think it's number nine and number 11, which have the images on it. Number 10 was missing. And that was a right. question I had as well as where, what was slide number, what did slide number 10 show? Oh,
5: precisely. Oh. Exactly. In fact, uh, again, we just accepted that, um, they had whatever slides, you know, they had in their possession and the fact that number 10 was missing, um, we just, uh, had to accept that uh, it may have been the most spectacular of all or it was something mundane.
4: Well, let's, let's beat this dead horse completely here because one of the questions that has raised was before the, the May uh, 5th presentation in Mexico City, it came out that the coding on the edge of the slide was for 1947. Is that something that Dew told you and Tom?
5: As much as, and I was the first one, I had met with Joseph Beeson down in Evanston after Tom had first taken the phone call about the possibility of there being some photographic evidence. And you and I have both been there in the past where, you know, even occasionally anonymously somebody would contact us and would claim to have some physical evidence. And you have to check it out. So I made the drive down to Evanston, just north of Chicago, met with Beeson. I was able to look at it, and the first thing I said was that uh, we'll have to, have to have this dated. We'll have to see exactly when this, this slide was manufactured and when it was exposed. And at that time, he had insisted that I sign a non-disclosure statement, which was fine. We had Tom do the same thing. But then the next thing came to the dating and whether we could get someone at Eastman Kodak to do just that. And the contacts were made to an historian in Rochester, New York, and Tom could tell you that uh, both he, in driving range, living outside of Philadelphia, and Jaime Massan were going to then, he was going to fly into New York, and they were going to witness the, the procedure. And we were always led to believe that it was the historian that continued continuously insisted that he only wanted one person present, that he didn't want to make this into any type of circus, he wasn't looking for publicity, didn't want his name publicized, and that only one person would be allowed to observe his uh, analysis of the slides. And obviously, that turned out to be Adam Dew. And on one occasion, it fell apart, partly due to third-party interference, or uh, friend and colleague, Anthony, Anthony Bergalia, you know, got word or was contacting the same historian at, at Kodak, and uh, he felt that we had portrayed a confidence in releasing his name, hence the contact from Bergaglia and then that fell apart for about a half a year, and then uh, it was then eventually uh, put back uh, as far as on schedule, and Doom then made the trip from Indiana to Rochester, and then claimed that they had been dated. And again, I can't tell you, Kevin, what slide, I can't even tell you what slide was dated. I Again, we, again, Tom and I assumed it was the body slides.
4: But here's, here's a the question, here's a question.
5: Circa 40, 48, right.
4: When this all came up, I had posted on my blog something about it, and Adam Dew, under the guise of Slidebox Media, Mm-hmm. said that they had removed one of the slides from the mount. I think it's slide number nine. It's one with the yes, body on Yes, they
5: disassembled one of the slides, correct.
4: And the story was that the symbol for 1947, the, the Kodak symbol for 1947 was on the edge of the slide. The question is, did Do tell you that, or was that an assumption made by somebody else when they said the 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 chemical composition of the uh, slide film and the chemical composition of the chemicals used to develop the film were consistent with the late 1940s
5: that was an assumption and in fact it was it was it was strictly an assumption from those of us who were told that the historian had dated the slides to circa 1948
4: okay so, so. wait Clearly, the slides are dated from that period, and given the image that we now know what it is, it was taken prior to may of nineteen forty seven We know this based on the movement of that display from the museum it was in to um Montezuma's castle, i think it is, uh, which yes. is another museum area and the and the display the the remains have since been returned to the proper native peoples for uh their their interment
5: so to Anazazi people, correct, yeah.
4: So the, the, the next question is, there seem to be a number of red flags being raised here during this investigation. And I, and I wonder why um, you didn't catch some of that stuff and uh, take a step back from this when you couldn't get proper answers to the questions.
5: For this, for, for, for this simple reason, Kevin... Um, every time I would pose any question of doubt, I was then reminded, but so and so, you know, says that the body isn't human. Or that for all of the efforts, for example, in deciphering the placard, we again relied on the scans that were provided, whether it was to Dr. David Rudiak or Dr. Donald Burleson or even a studio of Macbeth, Ray Downing, who did the 3D imagery on the Shroud of Turin, that they were always provided with the highest resolution scans available. And we were always led to believe, for example, that the, the text on the placard was script, that it was handwritten. And so we accepted that. And then when Rudiak, for example, sends us back an email that uh, this beats me. I can't get a single letter. Well, who am I going to believe? And then the next one and the next one, and they're all saying, undecipherable. We can't read it. And then Dew kept insisting that he had someone at Adobe who had also lamented that same problem. Undecipherable. They're not able to read it. And then afterwards, when we would learn that, well, it was only a friend who worked at Adobe. So there again, yes, there were, there were flags. But the flags all came after the fact, Kevin. Up until the event in Mexico City, all the anthropologists who were involved, not contacted, but involved, all the pathologists, the forensic pathologists who were talked to and shown, again, supposedly, you know, the best images, the best resolutions of, of, the, of the slides. And then the breakdown as far as no one able to decipher the placard, where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to then argue with when all of the experts, all the scientists are telling me there's something extraordinary here? But what I made the mistake, the mistake that Don Schmidt made. Was that I did question whether the material, the information that they were drawing their conclusions from, was the most reliable, most accurate, best images of the slides that they could have had at their disposal. That's the mistake I made.
4: Well, here's, here's a question. I should have been questioning what, whether
5: they were receiving the best. Here's a question that came to them, my mind when
4: I was looking at the Kodachrome uh, trailer, which Adam Dew put up on YouTube which was, what, three minutes of stuff about this. The thing that popped into my mind is it, looks to, it looked to me for a moment as if he was setting it up to prove how credulous UFO researchers are and how mm-hmm. ill-informed the field is, that he was going to do a hit job on ufology, and this was his method of doing so. I posed that question on my blog Uh, three or four weeks ago, and Adam Dew has not bothered to communicate with me since that time. Did it ever cross your mind that this might be some kind of a setup to do a documentary to prove how credulous UFO researchers are?
5: Yes, it did. And in fact, uh, and and Tom could tell you, there were numerous occasions, even up till January of last year, just before uh, the event in Mexico City, And I sat down, and we Skyped between us, and I said, Tom, I don't know if I want to back out of this, because I was constantly, you know, wrestling, not with that possibility of being set up as much as I just was still doubtful. I just, it was too easy, Kevin. It was too convenient. And as a result, I finally, it it came down to, Okay, Tom. You know you're the one with the anthropology background. You're just your dissertation away from your PhD, and you tell me. You give me your best, you know, story line as far as and and, and we both either sink or swim with this. And I finally, okay, Tom, I go with you. I trust my partner. I go with you.
4: Well, I and, know that I sent Tom an email in December of uh, 2014. Because I was trying to figure out where pictures like this would be taken. And I searched through the science fiction literature, including movie footage, and could find nothing like it. And I asked Mm -hmm. Tom point blank, could it be a mummy? And he said, no, it could not be a mummy. And he said, you'd looked at 500 images or something like that. And I I thought, are you looking for the specific one? Or are you looking for the general characteristics of mummies and couldn't come up with anything that fit?
5: You know, it still came down to if, say, for example, let's take the placard off the slides. No placard. And let's take, you know, the museum setting in the background out of the slides. We just have two images of two bodies. It would be, you know, a split camp between those who still believe that it might depict something non-human as opposed to those who just, it won't they won't accept it no matter what. And I think that's the position that... The owners of the slides may have taken. We have to blast, light blast the placket. We have to somehow change it. We have to make it look so it's undecipherable. And then we have to shoot it tight so we don't see the background that it is indeed a mu- museum setting.
4: Well, we'll have and to take a And those are the things we did here. not see. We'll take a quick break here. I'm talking with Don Schmidt, author of Witness to Roswell with Tom Carey and uh, Children of Roswell with Tom Carey. My blog is www.kevinrendle.blogspot.com, which has a lot of information that the minutiae of this story uh, going back into 2015. And my book is Roswell in the 21st Century, and there is a segment on the slides in that book, although it is uh, a reduced. Uh, analysis of it based on things that we learned afterwards. So we will be right back with Don Schmidt and more of the Roswell case.
2: Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting edge, breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right, transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free.
3: GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun.
4: And we are back with Don Schmidt, who is one of the authors of Witness to Roswell and uh, Children of Roswell. We've been talking about the not Roswell slides. I think maybe a little bit too much about them. But uh, we will move, we'll move forward in the Roswell case after I ask one single additional question, and that is, given everything we know now, you are convinced that what we have in the pictures, the slides, are the remains of an unfortunate child who died centuries ago is that correct
5: yes 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 and as you yourself remember that i quickly apologized after the uh, the event in may of uh, last year and that realizing that uh, we had been duped that you know we were provided you know different versions of slides and specific elements of those slides again assuming that it was the most accurate most uh, original that could be provided, and uh, the placard clearly demonstrated that um, we were we were snookered, and uh, unfortunately, because we did not have access to the original slides for the, that type of testing, again we pl- placed our faith in, in in human nature, and that and, here and- was a professional sportscaster for example why would he risk his his very reputation by getting involved in such a hoax such a prank
4: and just, uh, th- but there is no question in your mind at this point that there is not an alien creature in those slides and i i ask no, that because no. there's been some discussion here and there that 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 you and tom are waffling on that that description
5: and that's why I don't understand because you know, I put out the apology and I, I, I voiced as far as my very specific pronouncement at that time that I accepted that indeed was the mummified remains of a human being and that I'm still accused of waffling when I, I the the one thing that I speak out on and that I emphasize is that immediately after Mexico City and Jaime Massan and Adam Dew and Tom Carey were part of the, uh, the phone con- conversation. I demanded that the slides would be publicly re- released. I wanted to then see an uh, analysis of the very placard. I wanted to see it in current time. I wanted to see it right there from the slides. I wanted them to demonstrate that nothing had been altered. The the one thing about these
4: slides, uh, this this whole thing that really strikes me is this is one of the few cases where we have absolutely all the evidence to take us to the end. Once the placard was identified, once the museum was identified, documentation uh, was found from 1897, 1898, showing how the uh, mummy was recovered, showing its... uh, uh, trip to the museums, the museums where it was held, and what happened to it. I mean, it was so well-documented, it's obvious that this question had been solved.
5: And the fact that, I mean, that we had a name for the first time, S.L. Palmer, that, uh, you know, he was the one who made, you know, discovered the remains. And so, for anybody who still believes that, that I've been hedging, or that I have been expressing any doubt whatsoever... Again, I'm I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not suggesting that a hoax was perpetrated as much as if that was indeed the case, I fell for it. I made the mistake. And I was relying on the information that was provided us and the experts. And if there was one thing I also truly learned is that even the scientific community, even the best people within their respective professions can make mistakes, can, as a result of receiving falsified information then as a result make um less than accurate pronouncements on said you know evidence said information but then does, that has often been the case throughout history
4: does this case we work hurt. with what
5: we have does it hurt
4: does this does this does, this, does the slide fiasco harm the roswell case
5: Well, personally, I would like to believe it it, it harms me in the sense that I'm connected to the Roswell investigation, and vis-a-vis, it could then in turn harm the investigation, but that was also one of the reasons that I so quickly denounced any connection to Roswell, because I wasn't finding any, there wasn't anybody who was providing, you know, the connection, except the, the, the possible time connection, and as a result it was just rank speculation it was just wishful thinking Uh, I was publicly you know I was quoted within UFO Chronicles you know stating that it was not physical evidence and you know it's 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 under you know that's important to understand when a picture has evidence or has value and that's when you know exactly who took it under what circumstances how were they provided the opportunity how were the slides dated that type of thing so I was always questioning whether but we you, were, I kept but using you have the word, to remember,
4: yeah. Tom Carey was talking about this being the uh, smoking gun. This proved that Roswell was alien. Tom is clearly on the record prior to May 5th making those claims.
7: Oh,
5: I, and Tom could also tell you when he spoke at American University, uh, I was quite upset. I was actually quite livid when I learned that he had announced what we had and that he referred to them as a smoking gun. And so um, there were many challenges, there were arguments, there were disputes within uh, the camp as to what we should do, where we should go, and whether we were dealing with the genuine article or not. No one's going to find anywhere where I've ever referred to them as connected to Roswell, as a smoking gun, or as legit. I constantly qualified every statement I made with with the word if. If if they're validated, if they're genuine, if they check out, if all the scientific community, you know, stands uh, in support of the images, then and only then would they be accepted as possibly genuine because it's still a photographic image. It's not the actual article.
4: And we didn't really have a good connection to it until after the uh, reveal in Mexico City and after the documentation was found that we could connect all of this to a specific event and it had nothing to do with UFOs.
5: But, and isn't it interesting that the actual image, specifically of the second slide, with the full placard visible for de blurring and analysis, it doesn't come out till the Mexico City event. But, it doesn't come out to days thereafter.
4: But you have the to also remember we, that. The skeptical community didn't have access to that slide until Adam Dew put it up on his website in the days that right. followed the May 5th uh, presentation. And it was and within point, 48 hours that they were able to debore it.
5: That's right. And the point is, to you and your listeners, neither did we. Just as the skeptic community did not have access, neither did we. And the Do- mistake was that we still took the ball and ran with it. And in my case, that was strictly because I was relying on the experts, the scientists, those who were unable to blur the placard, and those who were stating it was not human, that it was non-human, that I accepted their expertise. And you, I should You, have still, you waited. still
4: accept the Roswell case as being alien. There was an alien craft crashed at Roswell.
5: I don't even use that word, Kevin. I think you know that. I'm very reluctant. I, I still I, I use the testimony of the witnesses where they refer to the little people, the little men, that type of thing. And to their credit that they don't use words such as spacemen and extraterrestrial and even men from uh, you know, another planet, that type of thing. I like to believe that the investigation is still fluid, it's still ongoing in the sense that I'm not done. We're not done. We're still looking. It's still very fluid in that regard.
4: So what and I hear so, you saying is that you're not sure that it was an extraterrestrial event at Roswell.
5: If if definitive proof to the to the contrary, if anything was were still forthcoming, which would demonstrate that this was something conventional, something prosaic, something we had never considered before. Let's just say that each new pronouncement that the government has provided us has gone wanting. It's not provided the final answer. We know, both of us know, it was not a mogul balloon.
4: And we know it wasn't a rocket ship. Or uh, When I say rocket ship, I mean a rocket or missile from White Sands. We know it wasn't an experimental craft. We know it wasn't... Um, an, air, an aircraft from, from the base. so there's, Russia,
5: from Germany, right.
4: So we're uh, still an, still uh, wondering what it was, but what I'm saying is, so you're not convinced it was extraterrestrial. You think there may be I'm not some 100%. other answer?
5: No, I am not 100%. I could say I'm 95% convinced, yes, based on all the eyewitness testimony, which certainly uh, supports the first... Uh, announcement, the first press release that went out you know, on Tuesday, July 8th, that they had captured a flying disc. And so far I'm not finding any witnesses that would support any alternative explanation. But uh, for those who come up with preconceived theories, such as uh, Annie Jacobson, that uh, it was a Russian device, you know, from captured German, uh, as far as flying wing, the, the Horton Brother tech, uh, technology, and Dr. Joseph Mengele creating, um, you know, thirteen-year-olds to appear as though they were alien, landing in the middle of New Mexico back in 1947. Uh, that's the problem in people who attempt to seek out proof for a preconceived theory. It's well, we've got desperate. to take. A, we've scientific. got to go here,
4: Don. I thank you for taking See? time to chat with us this afternoon or today, this evening, about about this. Your book is Witness to Roswell and the Children of Roswell, and I thank you for taking time with this. If you want more information about the Roswell case, take a look at my blog, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. You'll find an awful lot of information about Roswell, and take a look for my book, Roswell in the 21st Century, and that will add uh, greatly to your knowledge of the Roswell case. Once again, thank you very much, Don.